remember you messaged me about the um, the new adventure, but I'm very curious about what kind of research did you do, what were you looking for, and, and how did you land on this one? Like, because I think that's very interesting how mm. that came about. Yeah. Well, look, after I sold my last business, I realized, you know, I did need to buy another one because I was going to end up spending all the money I'd made. Um, and so, I, you know, I needed something that was going to return me um, an income. Um, so I, I was, you know, I was after something that, um, you know, that I could own for a long time. You know, I wanted something that I suppose, you know, you could call a pension. Um, so I was looking for something that was sizably profitable. You know, I didn't want to buy something cheap. I wanted to buy something that was, you know, had, had substantial profits. And that's partly because, well, I could afford it. But secondly, because, you know, if I made some mistakes in the early days, I wouldn't have to keep tipping more capital in um, and the business would still return me an income. So I was looking for something that had a solid income. Um, I was looking for something that was a solid business. So I wasn't looking for an, you know, a, 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 a business that was going to accelerate and you know go crazy. I just wanted a solid, reliable. It's been around for ten years, not going anywhere. Um, which sort of leads me into the third criteria, which is something that has a defensible market strategy. Now that's something that people don't concentrate on much, but having come from a background where you know, we worked in a market where price is commoditized from, you know, um, $199 to $18 over about a 10-year period. Yes. That's a very hard industry to compete in because you're always seeing your, you know, gross margins coming down. So I was interested in something where I, I wouldn't get stuck into that kind of situation. Um, and actually, a, a, you know, a competitive market position is, is difficult to find. But the Quad Bike King, the business I bought, you know, they had a monopoly to operate on the beach at Stockton, um, and no one else was ever allowed to start a competing business. So I knew that, you know, that would be. Um, a what good was that research process? I mean, I find it's very refreshing when you talk about it. What I, from my personal experience, um, even relate to my own experience, and you know, hundreds of thousands of people running business are coming across. The common mistake people make are, I buy something I like. I buy something I believe, not necessarily I have the set of technical skill or, or ability to manage, but I give it a go. I, I have a crack and, and I, I pull all the monies, right? So you see people running running gym, you, you see people um, buying a restaurant because they like the food. It's human nature. Whether it's right or wrong, some can make you quite successful. I mean, a lot of them not, but the, the mindset is quite different. But what I find is interesting with your experience is you had a very specific objective and, mm. and very um, quite realistic about it. But what you're looking for is you 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 want to able to have a give yourself a space to make a mistake, but you have very specific. Um, criteria when you're looking for mm. and what, what I find almost um, I, I still don't understand is you didn't talk about categories and verticals and space no. you straight into tell me about I like this one because the monopoly like how yeah. do you research for that <laughs> I mean if well, I want to buy a restaurant I can start with the research cuisine right 
Uh, yeah, I mean, well, I, I, you know, to this day, I get the list of uh, new businesses for sale that get uh, posted on um, Seek Business. And they just <laughs> arrive in my inbox every morning. I have a look at them. Um, so actually, the research is, you know, just an exercise in browsing an email every morning. Um, but I think, look, if, if you, you know, yeah, I'm category agnostic. I couldn't care less. Um, you know, I was, I'm just looking for the business that I feel confident I can run. Um, so, you know, and I think that if you look at things like gyms and cafes, you know, they're difficult to create a competitive market position there, you know, unless you've got a cafe that just happens to be sitting in a location where you are right on the beach, for example. If you're right on the beach, that's a very defensive market position because there's only so many cafes that can be on the beach. But if you're going to be, you know, a gym in a suburb, you either need to be the biggest gym well, you certainly need to be the best you. Um, and I think that when people are looking at businesses, you know, they've got to realize that they need to be much better than everybody else because in a market where another gym can set up next door and there seems to be so many gyms, you know, you, you, to struggle in that, in that environment, you've got to be uh, an exceptionally brilliant op operator. You've got to have something, you know, either unique um, or you've just got to be much better at doing it than so, everyone else. So, so what he's saying is, instead of trying to creating your own unique value proposition, when you have kind of saturated market, right? Mm. Instead of going that route, looking for something, it's already unique, and there's high barrier to into the market. Then there's a there's a long term. Sustainability is that is that the mindset? Well, I think you know I'd be very wary of looking at businesses where um, there's a lot of competition right? because almost by definition there's not much money in a business with lots of competition. Um, so, and I'd also be wary about you know necessarily looking at a business and thinking, oh yeah, I'm going to run that just because I'm comfortable with. I go to cafes, I can run a cafe. Um, you know, if you think about the skills of, um, you know, of, of a cafe owner, which is, you know, really just providing good service, you know, uh, 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 cleanliness, you know, and um, uh, personality, you can apply, you can take those skills and put them into just about, you know, any non-scientific engineering type exercise. Um, so, you know, for example, the other day, we were, I was looking at a business that sold um, swimming pools. Um, they DIY swimming pools. And I mean, these, these, these people were sourcing swimming pools from a location that was in the Humber Valley, shipping them straight to customers, making several thousand dollars in every sale. And all they had to do was pick up the phone once a week to the inquiry they had on their website. Um, so, you know, that's a business where Yes, they've got some marketing going on. They've obviously got a good customer service and follow-up process, um, and they make great money out of that. Another great area where you could make, you know, where you can see opportunity for great money is poorly serviced areas. So all the trades. So how difficult is it to get someone to give you a quote to fix something in your house, like you know your guttering? You know, the the, the guy comes around. Well, he doesn't answer your phone. He doesn't. They don't have a call center service. He comes back to you a few days later, comes out to come and see the place two weeks later, he sends you a quote a month later, 
that's that's all that's that's, <laughs> that's a very easy industry to compete in right? i mean how hard is it to provide a great service in that industry you know where you a pick up the phone or you have someone who picks up the phone they come and give you a quote as soon as possible it is they either give it to you on the spot or it comes that evening and it looks great and compared to all the other service you're getting you're thinking yeah i'd like to deal with it easy so is there a certain category when you do research i'm just talking about more general probably not so much of how you end up blended with uh, you know corporate king right so so whether the the position the marketplace or whether how that the service level is anything else you look because but going through each business look at their geographic location it's a very time consuming well i mean i you know automatically reject a lot of businesses because they're simply not big enough for my interests but um um you know I, look the biggest barrier i have to a lot of opportunities i see is i just uh, they're, they're rural you know they're rural businesses so they're you know they might be a really big um provider of a service in a rural area yeah that gives them a, a defensible market position because in a rural area people haven't got the capital to suddenly you know start a competitor against a massive um, incumbent but the problem i face there is i've got to go there now and again to see them and to manage the business and I don't want to get in my car for five hours <laughs> in each direction. <laughs> um, but there are there are literally yeah there's some great opportunities in rural uh, Australia to own some great businesses if that's, you can be bothered to go there. That's very that's very refreshing. That's very refreshing. Now, how long took you to do due diligence before you get very serious about? the quad bike was it was take you long or well um look you know i obviously wanted to you know take a look at their contractual relationships with new south wales parks because they operate on new south wales parks and i wanted to understand that that could be uh, um, you know move to a business that i owned you know i wasn't <clears throat> going to be taking i didn't take too much a look at uh, you know whether he the, the vendor had been paying his taxes etc because I just bought all the assets into a new entity um, so similarly with payroll you know any liabilities they might have had I, I wasn't concerned about that we did do a banking order to make sure that they were actually were making the money they talked about um, and you know we did an equipment audit so that um, you know we can put that in the sale contract um, but not yeah not much um, you know I think you can get caught up in due diligence it's probably more relevant if you're buying a business as a going concern because you are yeah you are very concerned that they've been meeting their obligations to you know to pay people the right amount of money and to pay all their superannuation and to you know etc how would you be so sure about you don't have to get in the car to drive for so long to get there because you you're not managing the business on site right it's, it's, you, you, I mean, we in Cremont, so far away from Port Stevens. Mm. So, so at what point you you very confident you sure this is not going to be a nightmare to drag you over there or fly in a helicopter from time to time to go check it out? Or? Well, look, I think um, you know the business came with an, ex um, uh, um, an existing workforce who you know, had been there for quite a while. Um, so I was sort of confident that they were going to be able to hold it together. Look, businesses are incredibly resilient. 
um, I find, you know, when, when you take them over. Um, the staff, you know, uh, don't go away, and if they do, the staff that are left have a chance to grow in the business because they fill the space that just got vacated. So it's almost like a career opportunity. So, you know, the people who are, you know, hopefully the people who are good are going to hang around and take advantage of the, uh, of the opportunity. But, yeah, if you make a mess of it, then, yeah, you could have a much... That could work out quite badly if they key people left and you were living two hours away. You might have to spend some time up there. Um, but look, I don't, I don't have any. I don't think anybody left. Recall, um, and uh, you know they were quite proficient at doing their their job. And so all I had to do was add value, make it better. I mean, I I did listen to the other podcast. I know it was a difficult time. You made a lot of right decisions to get through the COVID. I mean, um, from my previous work, current work, everywhere I know, I hear about the the business act quick, hmm. they're the best survivors. Yeah. You did exactly that, right? But what, I guess, what the inside or the experience I'm trying to get out of you is, how do you balance that? Because you need to retain the right people to run the business. But at the same time, you also have to act quickly to laid off people yeah. during that difficult time. Yeah. So how do you know? Like, what, what to do? Look, there's, there's, <laughs> yeah, look, I think a lot of people are torn with this decision, which is, you know, um, you suddenly run up against a, a crisis, right? So maybe it's the GFC, you know, yeah. maybe it's the tech wreck, maybe it's COVID. Um, and you, you know, I can't underestimate the importance of ignoring any risks or concerns you have over and above remaining cash flow positive. You know, because if you've got no business, there's if no you one run out of cash, stay. no one's getting a job there. So I have, you know, um, yeah, you know, the word ruthless is a strong one, but you know, in the interests of saving the business and the employment of people who who are, you know, there, you have to act fast. So yes, I. You know, I closed Quadbike King the day after COVID prevented me from operating, um, and um, you know I had to let the staff go. But thankfully, two or three days later, we re-employed them all on on JobKeeper, so they all came, two or three all days came back. later. Yeah, it was literally on that's, the. That's I think <laughs> it was on the. I think it was on that's the weekend. Such awesome I forget timing. what it was. <laughs> well, I mean, that was the government's reaction. Thankfully, it was a good one. Um, but yes, I mean, I, 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 I took everybody back. And, um, but I, look, I don't think anybody was um, resented the action. Yeah. I mean, you know, if a business is forced to close, it comes as no surprise to start when they're told that they, can, they haven't got a job anymore. And they were just grateful. But you know what? It did hurt us because even in that short period, I did lose, you know, about three really good people. Um, and... Um, yeah, they didn't July. come back. Well, during June, um, when we were closed and we reopened on the 1st of July, in that month, yes, we did lose quite a lot of people because I was only employing them on a, on a part-time basis because I was getting subsidised for it. Yeah. Um, but that didn't stop them looking for more full-time employment, and some of them did leave. I think it's also very interesting. COVID is a testament to a lot of business with good cash flow, uh, whether they've been paying their tax or not. Uh, and you know, I relate to business um, 
hire a lot of casual staff on cash. And so they're not qualified to get the government support because of that. They haven't paid enough tax for it. Right. And yeah. then a lot of them shut down. I walk around the city, I, I do see it. Yeah. And, and the ones survived up to now, the ones that paid the proper tax. Mm. So they can actually qualify to apply. <laughs> it's a very, uh, very interesting observation. Yeah. I think that, you know, look, if you're going to um, avoid tax and, you know, run your business improperly, it's a ticking time bomb. And, you know, the tax man has a long memory. So at the point at which either Fair Work, the Ombudsman or the tax man gets notified of an infringement, you know, they can go back seven years in your accounts and do you over a very big bill. Yeah. Um, so is it worth it? So how many times have you actually been to Port Stephen since you bought the business? Oh, I've been there a lot. <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't, uh, yeah, no, I, look, I... I mean, I went there a lot, obviously, in the early days. Um, you know, I'd, I'd be up there twice a week. Um, but um, So you had a lot of good memory before yeah, you bought the business. Well, you know, and the other thing is, though, is, is that, you know, whilst I might not be there, right, I'm thinking about it <laughs> all the time, right? So... What's the know, quickest way to get over there? Oh, uh, you just, well, you know, you leave at 7 in the morning and you, you know, I'm going against the rush hour, you drive there. But yeah, look, I mean, I, one of the advantages of not working in the business, you're yeah. working on the business. And, you know, I would say that the only way you're ever going to be so-called working on the business is if you don't go there. Um, is you wake up every morning thinking, not thinking about, you know, has so-and-so turned up this morning. Yeah. You're thinking, how can I make that business yeah. better? That's the only thing that I'm ever thinking about is what is the next improvement I'm going to make and how should I best go about it and then when I go up there and execute on that you know the, the eight hours that I'm in the office is intense you know because I'm, I'm there just to roll out all those mats. I, uh, I do notice uh, the SEO on the business name has been improved dramatically. <laughs> Good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to type the entire keyword. I think mm -hmm. it just caught by even before I finish the key, the pot Stevens popping up. Yeah, I noticed that. I mean, that's a. I think that's your specialty, even from the old days, right? And it, it, it works. Well, you know, ironically, um, <laughs> you know, I had a, I had some arguments with our um, some of our um, ticketing agents because they used to sponsor on Google advertising on AdWords the name, the word, the phrase, Quad Bike King. Um, so that they would appear on top of the search results and I ended up having to pay them commission to sell tickets to people that were looking for my own business. Um, so I actually threatened to terminate our agreement. Well, I did terminate the agreement and I said, I'm not gonna, re I'm not gonna reintroduce it unless you stop doing that. Because I, you know, I don't wanna pay you um, to, to convert the converted. But now, yeah, now I advertise um, anyone who searches for Quad Bike King, and obviously the website itself comes up usually second in the search results, so, you know, that helps I capture. Did, I did hear about, uh, from the, the other podcast, which is gonna, I'm going to put the shared links on, um, you did quite well to, to make sure that above the line marketing in the local areas cannot be missed. 
Was mm. it billboards and <laughs> posters or is it bus stop post- advertising? Yeah. Well, I, think, well and I think you know it surprises me Owen that a lot of businesses that are local in nature um, don't take advantage of outdoor advertising because you know if you live in a suburb yeah. um, and you are a local plumber for example it's very easy for you to own the mind share of being a plumber just by having one bus stop advert because everyone everyone invariably drives past it a hundred times a year and it becomes ingrained in their mind. But arguably, I mean, your business is like a touring, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 a, it's more of experience. From a local point of view is, how many local I'm gonna get to take that opportunity versus mm-hmm. uh, people travel to the area and looking for a certain adventure? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the local, um, the locals are definitely not my target market, but, you know, my favourite advertising prospect, I always say, is somebody who's in Port Stephens right now. So they're, you know, they're there for the weekend, or you know, they're staying, they're staying in a in a, in a caravan park or whatever they're doing. Yeah. They're in the area. So I want to make sure that when they're driving around, yeah. they can't miss the fact that you know, I have outdoor advertising um, showing them how exciting it could be to go quite quite. So the business has been run more than ten years now. Probably about 15. 15 years. Mm. What's a tip? Is that a typical profiling of the client? Looks like who? People from outside of Port Stevens? Yeah. Looking for adventure, like a right core bike? Or? Probably our um, biggest target market are people that are aged about 25 to 35. Yeah. Um, but they probably, you know, they probably represent 50% of the audience. So it is, it's quite a long tail. Um, we don't actually get many children. It's only about ten percent of people are children. Yeah, they have to come with an adult, obviously. Um, you know, interestingly, virtually all of our Facebook advertising only targets women because <laughs> men are, you know, they're not they're not the decision makers in a relationship. So that's. Um, very, very interesting. <laughs> very, very interesting. So, uh, yeah, because I did notice that, um, you know, even though three quarters of our, well, probably two thirds of our customers are men, yep. um, you know, women represent over 50% of the people who make the booking. Yep. Um, and I think you'll find that for a lot of um, activities, that's the case. I mean, I can validate this. From my previous job, I used to deal with. Um, national network of building patios, shed, mm-hmm. fiberglass swimming pools. So these are serious home improvement project in every household, right? Mm-hmm. So we're talking about average ticket value, 20, between 20 to 40 grand investment. Yeah. Um, who's making the decision the rest of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. The it's the it's one. Agree it's it. the one. That's right. That's so right. Um, that's, that's very, that's, that's very interesting. So, in terms of experience people are looking for, is, is more about get on the quad bike, or is more about um, the scenery, the view, or the whole experience? Ah, uh, you know, they're, they're out there for the excitement. I remember when um, I first bought the business, I employed someone to come and bring up a hundred customers. I said, I want you to ask them a single research question, which was, uh, when you booked this um, experience. Past customers? Yeah, past customers. When you booked this experience, what was driving that decision? What were you 
what was uh, you know what word, word would you use to describe what was motivating you? Um, and actually, 97% of the people said excitement, exciting, you know, um, or a de deviation of that word. It was a very clear signal to me that the only thing I need to concern myself about in our communications and our advertising strategy is it just needs to look exciting. So, yeah, people are looking for excitement. That's what drives them. Which is you know, an ironic use, but they're, <laughs> but they're looking for excitement. It's a, you know, and that's, 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 do that's you, what we provide. Do you creating certain content around that? Like a, either audio, video, yeah. photo? Well, we do. We, 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 we do, we run them. Um, I mean, our main, major advertising expense you wouldn't necessarily see. Uh, because you're not a woman, uh, but it's a, uh, you know, we have a series of um, 15 videos that we play on Facebook, um, and I spend $700 a day on it, <laughs> and, um, you know, so it's a lot, that's a lot of videos, it's, it's, it's you know, 60,000 um, playthroughs a week, um, and it's all targeting uh, females, yeah. um, and the average person sees about four videos before yep. they actually um, purchase. And I measure their, you know, the cost per conversion as my success measure. So describe to me the the, the curve, because you did show me, you told me now it's almost booked out. So from COVID, mm. you shut, and yeah. a few days later and came back? No, no, okay, so yes, when COVID, came along we had to shut um, which was what was it April time wasn't it and then um, um, in um, so we, we you know we, we, we laid everyone off then a few days later we got more back on and yeah. so the, all the staff that did, who qualified which unfortunately was you know I think about um, maybe a third of the staff um, they were kept on and, and they were kept busy servicing the bikes they all became relatively good uh, quad bike mechanics all the girls everyone <laughs> stripping down bikes to spare parts and putting them back together again um, and uh, then I think uh, yeah the reopening day wasn't it was it June the 1st I think um, I think it was June the 1st that was when we reopened June was pretty quiet and then from July uh, the school holidays came along and from that day onwards um, you know New South Wales tourism has been um, very very successful and we have been sold out um, and you know everywhere I see in New South Wales is packed I mean only last week I was in we passed through we went down south to Mollymook and I thought almost I felt charitable I thought well, we should go into Berry because Berry now has um, a bypass and I thought they're probably really hurting so we went into Berry I couldn't <laughs> find a car parking space it was absolutely heaving, and it was, way, yeah. and that was that was on a um, that was on a Weekday. Tuesday, I think. <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, you couldn't park there, and we we actually we wanted to get some lunch, and we went to fourteen cafes or something. I couldn't get a seat. Thank you. <laughs> so it was, um, yeah. So I think, yeah. Look, right now, if you're in tourism in New South Wales, you're lucky. Very fortunate. So you reached the. Probably the full capacity. So, what's next? Just just keep it going like that. Well, it, it, it's has actually been uh, an interesting opportunity for me because um, you know I thought to myself, well, 
you know, a, a, a dream for a tourism operator would be to be full in the week right? and the weekends. Now, it's easy to be full on the weekends. Yes. Um, but to actually drive capacity in the week, you have to um, create a level of demand which is much higher than previously. So, um, yeah, it's not, I don't know whether it's um, accidental that we're full in the week because, um, you know, as I said, I, I've increased my advertising by 400%. Uh, my budget over this recent few months. Um, I've increased the price of weekend experiences quite substantially. Um, so now, you know, if you want to go to Quad Bike King, it's fairly obvious that it's much cheaper to go in the week and expensive to go on the weekends. Makes sense. So, you know, so I've been playing with those variables of weekday prices, weekend prices, and advertising spend to get to a level where it's just full all the time. So when markets open up and it gets harder for us to be so you know we've got to compete with foreign destinations and so on you know we'll probably have to increase the advertising again to you know get that demand going to keep the week full the weekend will take so care the of purpose itself. of increased advertising is just to have an increased opportunity to present just that to, you've got to in front of people's face and the yeah you've got to push demand so high that People um, are driven to the lower price points, and which are at your low, you know, your low demand periods. Um, so I compare this. So this is really about becoming um, a, a destination uh, experience. So you take the Harbour Bridge, for example. The Harbour Bridge is full all the time. The, the, the bridge climb. Yes. They're full all the time, but they play around with their prices to encourage people to go during low demand periods. Yes. Um, I'm not even sure they have to do much advertising to fill up the bridge climb. <laughs> every single tourist who comes to Australia goes, I want to do the bridge climb. Um, so I, yeah, I haven't quite got that luxury. I have to make people want to come to Quad Bike King. And I need to make them come in such volume mm. that I've got enough of them prepared to turf up in the week and take up the low price. So demographically, right now, the the target clientele are who live locally in Australia mm. and want to visit. They always, they always have been. You know, only about 15% of our customers ever came from abroad. Okay. So, um, yeah, a lot of uh, tourism experiences get uh, a lot of foreign visitors. Yeah. Um, like Red we, Ocean Road, we know. Yeah. No, we well we get you know we do get them, but our, the, the vast majority of our customers are domestic. They always happen. Do, do you think that's maybe the area to explore, or not really? Um, no. Well, look, part of the problem about a lot of um, international tourism marketing is designed around trying to attract coach loads of tourists to run up to Quad, uh, to Port Stephens for a day trip. Um, but, you know, to do my experience takes so much time that it doesn't give them much opportunity to do anything else. You know, so it's, it's, it's two hours, well, it's two and a half hours to drive there. Yeah. You know, it's another half an hour to drive to Nelson Bay. It's three hours to get back. So you've already used up six hours. My experience is two. So you can't, there's not much, you know, you've got to get some lunch. Um, and uh, so they, they haven't got much opportunity to do anything else. And in addition to that, it's a very price-sensitive market. So those kind of bus trips where they, they advertise it's a $99 experience. They take you sandboarding, which is 
ten dollars, you know, to take you, uh, you know, to go go dolphin watching, which is about twenty-two or something wholesale. Um, you know, they get you lunch and they bring you back again. I can't compete in that market, so I don't go after it. Make perfect sense. I mean, thank you so much for sharing all that with us. Um, it's That's been right. very, very insightful and very refreshing. Ah, thank you <laughs> for inviting me. Yeah.